I always feel like I experience Mercury retrograde in the weeks leading up to it, like almost every time. And I'm always like, what is going on? I am that person. What is that? I call it PMS, pre-Mercury shit. It's the (laughs) shadow period. And it's kind of like, you know, when you're, you're about to go on your cycle, for some people, you really feel it. Then once the period's there, it's like, oh my God, relief. Yes. And, you know, so that that's what it is. It's a shadow period. And you're, uh, you're very intuitive. So you're probably very tuned into that. I feel it also like a week before it comes. That's when everything starts getting weird. Mm. Not just you. So that's what I call it. PMS, pre-Mercury shit. Welcome to episode number 25 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe. And I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today, Teresa Reed is back on the show. Teresa Reed is back on the show to help us do that here today, 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 today. We recorded this interview in September, but I've been a little bit behind on the podcast episodes. I never miss a promised post on Patreon. Say that five times fast. I never miss a promised post on Patreon, a promised post on Patreon, a promised post on Patreon. I don't do it. So sometimes if my time is limited, the Joe DeVoe show is the one that ends up falling behind. However, tis the season for buying presents for all your witchy friends. And so I feel like this episode is right on time because Teresa's new book is out. Twist your fate. Manifest success with astrology and tarot. And we're going to be talking a lot about that here today. And if you heard the word manifest and you got excited about that, because I know a lot of people here are into manifestation kind of as a way of life, I think this will be interesting because what's presented in Twist Your Fate and here in the podcast talking about Twist Your Fate is not... Teresa Reed's manifestation process. She's speaking more to the navigational tools of tarot and astrology, like using them together as a compass or a tool. And I think that perspective adds a nice bit of nuance to the ongoing everlasting conversation of how do I manifest a life I will love? We talk here about some fun stuff in terms of how your solar return or birthday chart and the year that follows might be impacted by traveling to a different location. I found this super fascinating. I got to ask her what she thinks of human design, and I will leave that here as a cliffhanger. You'll have to listen to the interview (laughs) to get that tea. But I will say up front here that... I love this traveling metaphor that she shares because the journey is the creation is not just a slogan for me. It's a way of life. So when she says that your natal chart is the roadmap, the current astrological transits are the daily traffic, and then the tarot offers detours for getting out of a jam, that really speaks to me. That is such a cool way of looking at how astrology and tarot work together. Also, just listen to how she is with people. The way she asks me about the various aspects of my chart and then fully listens to the response and bounces right back with a quick 
empathetic, often funny, relatable story, it creates such ease and trust. And it's so wonderful to hear the way a seasoned pro who has done countless readings for the public has learned to relate to other people. Or maybe she's just always been that way. But I think that's a really cool thing to pay attention to. Just listen to how she listens. Listen to how she remembers. I'll say something toward the beginning of the interview and then she'll bring it up way toward the end and it comes full circle because she's really paying attention. She's really dialed in in a way that I think a lot of people are not. And I personally find that impressive. You can always feel how deeply grounded in her work she is. It's clearly both her passion and her process. And she's just committed to sharing that with other people and keeping it fun, keeping it real, keeping it a little bit rock and roll. So without any more fanfare for me, here she is, the iconic, the fabulous Teresa Reed. Hi, Teresa. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Joanna. It's so good to connect with you again. Again is right. I was so worried. Like, what are we going to talk about? Not that I ever run out of words, not that you ever run out of words, but I've had you on the show a few times now. So I am over prepared with ridiculous questions today, like silly stuff. Ooh, I like <laughs> that. Oh, I'm getting excited. I, I'm totally game for this. <laughs> well, first, let's just say you have another book out. Is this eight books in eight years? It pretty much is. I mean, I've been doing almost like a book a year. And this one just came out a few weeks ago. And I'm working on book number nine. That is awesome. It is. I love awesome. to write. Oh, yes. I love to watch you write. I mentioned this, I think the last time you were on the show, but you share your word count. And it's just so inspiring and exciting to go on Twitter and you're like, 482,000 words or however many. <laughs> I'm like, yes go. It's such a service, I think, to other people, particularly people that struggle to be like, there she is doing the work, putting the time in, putting the words in. And then also, I think, celebrating by just going mm -hmm. over to Twitter. It's like the gold star for the day. Yep. And Twitter is my favorite social media platform. And I also hope when I put that out there, that it encourages other writers to keep going. To mm -hmm. not give up because I know how it feels. Sometimes you just feel like, what am I doing? I want to throw the towel. The words are not coming today, you know, and you just feel like you're in it alone because it's a very solitary life. And so just having a fellow right out, out there doing their thing, I think can encourage people. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially someone like you who is so incredibly prolific, not just as a writer, but on Twitter and on Instagram and as a teacher and oh, you have a podcast. How many podcasts do you have? I have two that are ongoing right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I'm dialing things back though. Believe it or not, I am, I've always been dialing things back, dialing things back, dialing things back. And I'm in the process of doing some dialing back with a lot of the things that I have been doing so that I can write more because mm -hmm. that's really where my heart is at. Writing and teaching are it now. And it's like, okay, at this stage in life, I know what I want to do. And I want to dedicate more time so I can write, so I can teach. And what needs to go in order for that to happen? That's a question I ask a lot. Do you feel like you have found your true calling or this is just the phase of life that you're in? I think both. 
Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, life, I think your journey can change from time to time. And it does. I mean, I even look at my parents, like how their journeys changed throughout life. And it's like, okay, well, now this seems to be where I'm finding the most happiness. It also is a lot about as I'm getting close to retirement age, now thinking about legacy. So I want the books out there, the information out there. And I want to teach as many people as I can before I retire. So that way people are going out there with my experience to help guide them into being better tarot readers or to understand astrology better or to understand ultimately their selves better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something about this is bringing to mind the word fate talking about, you know, is this your legacy? Is this your legacy? Is this your intended purpose? And the title of your book is literally twist your fate, which I think is very interesting. I could sit around and unpack that for a while. To me, it brings to mind years and years ago, Robert Ohado wrote a book, Transforming Fate into Destiny. And that made me think a lot about that. And when I hear twist your fate, I'm like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by twist your fate? And and what is the difference between fate and destiny? Well, first of all, I love that question. You know, I grew up in a very, very religious household as a child, super Catholic. And I just never really quite totally bought some of that thinking. I also had a mother who was incredibly psychic, you know, so I was very fortunate to have an experience of being with someone who's very intuitive, who could see signs and who could see omens. And oftentimes my parents were more of the belief that your life is kind of predetermined. Like This is it. This is your lot in life. And I've also found that over the years, working with different tarot readers and astrologers, uh, I've gotten sometimes readings like that too. Like, this is it. That's it. That's what you're meant to do. And et cetera, et cetera. And there's a part of me that's actually pretty damn rebellious. And I always say that I straddle the I straddle right in the middle between fate and free will. I do believe there are some things that might be that you can't really explain that are predetermined that there's maybe certain destinies or talents that you have or certain people you're supposed to meet. But I also believe that our choices and how we show up and how we react to things is going to do far more to dictate how that fate unrolls than anything else. Mm. So I think with tarot and astrology, you know, they are tools to help you to be very aware of where you are, what you're feeling, where you're going, what's possible, where the potential is, but you still have to show up and make some choices now. What are you going to do with this? And that's why I call it twist your fate. It's like, you could have a whole lot of things destined for you. I mean, my astrology chart's terrible. And I could have a really horrible life if I, you know, decided to go along with the negative traits there. But after doing a lot of understanding that only can come through a lot of inner work and tarot and astrology were my tools for that, I realized that, you know, no, it doesn't mean that it has to be like this. It means this is what I need to work on so that I can max out the parts where I have strengths and I can maybe even turn those flaws or whatever you want to call them, difficult aspects into something that can build character and maybe help others in some way. So that is how I tend to look at things. I'm very much a proactive person. I don't like being told that you don't have a choice. I'm like, let me find the choice here. Mm. Let me find the way. And so, you know, my philosophy is very much like that in a nutshell. And that's why I call the title. And I got to tell you, I've had people in my life. First of all, you get your parents telling you certain things. But I've had astrologers too sometimes say things. I'm like, eh, nah, 
no, 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 no. We're going to work with this energy. I'm not going to just accept that this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, definitely. And I think twist is an interesting word because you're taking what you're handed and you're twisting it into something new. It's yeah, not even, absolutely. it's not even that you're changing it. You're just working with what is. Absolutely. You know, that is what it's all about. Let's work with what we've got. Let's twist this around. Let's find a turnaround, a workaround. Let's find a way to also, I like putting tarot and astrology together. Uh, let's put this together. Let's move it around in a new way and see how that's going to also make us find new questions and new questions lead to new answers. And that's what makes life so delicious. It's not, you know, if you're just told this is the way it's going to be, and this is your role, and that's it. I mean, how boring is that? That's like reading the end of a chapter when you just started the damn book. I, oh gosh, I want... it's so depressing too, <laughs> depending on your situation. I mean, that is not inspiring, yes. you know, for some people. Yes, absolutely. And then I am a huge word nerd. I will maybe put too much meaning into words, but the subtitle interests me too of your book because it's manifest. The word manifest is so charged. So it's manifest success with astrology and tarot. But to me, I've been reading through your book actually for the last couple of weeks. It's not so much about the theory of manifestation. It's not Teresa Reed's formula for manifesting. It's more like a navigational tool using yep. tarot, tarot and astrology together as a, as a compass to get you to where you want to go. That feels true to you. That's absolutely true, because let me tell you something, manifestation is a very loaded word. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who talk about, you know, law of attraction, manifestation, and they really show that it's given them a lot of results. And I applaud them for that. But one of the things that I like to say is it's not quite that simple. It's that simple for some people that you could have a vision board and suddenly, you know, you're living in a fancy house and you're driving this great car and all of that. But for a lot of folks, it's not quite that easy manifestation may take you know it may take a lot of work it may take knowing how to ask for help it may take somebody else giving you some kind of assistance or a hand up i mean there's so many things that go into it and the way i feel about manifesting things is i'm very clear on what i want i'm very clear on who i am and what my resources are and I'm trying always to figure out, let's see how we can, like Tim Gunn says, make it work. Mm -hmm. And so the life that I have, if you look at my astrology chart, again, I'm going to go right back to that as an example. My upbringing, we were really poor. I mean, we did not have money. And I've even had periods in my adult life where there was some poverty. And I don't have a college education. College wasn't for me. College was out of my price range. And I have a terrible astrology chart, you know, and very oppressive parents. I mean, by all means, that's a pretty hard thing to overcome. You don't get out of poverty very easily. It requires sometimes help, sometimes a lot of work, sometimes a talent. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that go into it. And so when I think about manifestation and I look at my life, I'm like, okay, I got a great life. Got a wonderful marriage, 30 years great kids who are super successful. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm doing work that I love. That did not happen by me sitting around making a vision board. It happened because I had to look again. I had to look at where I was making terrible mistakes. I had to look at what I had to work with. And then I had to figure out, well, what do I want to, what do I want my life to look like? And success, by the way, isn't the same 
for everybody. Some people for success, it is the gold house. And for other people, it's like, I want the freedom to do my thing, which is my most important guiding principle. And we just have to figure out how to do it in a way that makes sense for us based on our circumstances. So manifestation, are we sometimes able to manifest things just by making a wish? Absolutely. But for a lot of people, it's not quite that simple. And we also have to take in account. And this is one thing I like to stress is that some people also don't have privilege. Privilege makes it a lot easier to manifest things. Let oh me tell gosh, you. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know, and, and nobody wants to say that. But sometimes I see some really successful people talk about manifestation. I'm like, but you had a lot of financial resources to begin with. It's kind of like the economist Robert Reich talks a lot about this. And he was talking about billionaires who claim they're self-made. And he's like, you know, most of these billionaires, though, they're not really self-made. They have wealthy parents, so they already had a leg up. So don't get impressed by that. And that's one thing also I say, don't get impressed by these people who've manifested all the great things. That's aspirational stuff. You have to ask yourself, what does success look like for me? What do I really, really want? Mm. And again, what do I have to work with and how can we make this work? Yes, I love that you're saying some. It works for some people. I've really been interested lately. I'm so curious to get your thoughts on this. In human design, mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is a legit science. I'm just saying I'm on that ride right now. And what it's making me realize is different things work in different ways for different people. So someone over here can be like manifestation, vision boards. It's real. It works. Oh my gosh. Because it works for them. And yes. this person over here is like, what are you talking about? That's all bullshit. I've tried it. It doesn't work because it doesn't work for them. And human design has been rapidly rising in popularity the past few years it's partly based on astrology so i actually was already wondering like what does teresa reed think about this is it something that you've gotten into or you want to get into or are you just it's not for you you know i dabbled around with it it's really not for me i'm actually a manifester in the human design which is kind of ironic considering we're just talking about manifestation <laughs> <laughs> so I am a manifester. I know enough about it, but you know, I'm I'm more like I want to just stick with my astrology and my tarot. It's like I've got enough to work on in these two things. I don't need to take on another medium. So I am kind of staying in my lane on that. I think it's interesting, but tarot and astrology really have worked well for me. So I'm like, you know, I'm gonna stay here. Kind of like the Enneagram too. Enneagram's interesting. I'm a seven in the Enneagram. Makes total sense because freedom again is very important to me. And I think there's a lot of value in that, but I have never gotten very deeply into it because I've already got two things that I really love. And let's just stay right here because this is working for me. Yeah. And they're both so complex and layered. How do you, in terms of using astrology and tarot to manifest your life, to navigate your life is a better way to say it. How do you differentiate the two in terms of usefulness? Like, when do you know, oh, this is a tarot moment, and then this is an astrology moment? Like, which do you turn to and why? Does that question make sense? Makes total sense. First of all, I use astrology for timing everything. I pay attention to the planets all the time. I want to know what's operating. And that's because I grew up with farm folks. Farm folks were also into those farmer's almanacs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because those tell you when to plant a seed, when to do this, when to do that. And so I will use 
the moon, for example, for setting intentions on a new moon. That's one way I work on manifesting the things that I want. I also follow the energy every single day. Okay, what's going on today? It's Mercury retrograde. Did I back up my computer? The moon is void today. This means today, while we're recording this podcast, I'm tidying up my office. I'm tying up loose ends. I'm finishing some projects that have already been in motion rather than starting anything new. I work with the energy and it really helps me to operate in a way that's peaceful and productive and happy. So I use, I use astrology for timing all the time. And again, it's really for kind of like lunar living, you could call it. Mostly the moon is what I follow. I'm very, very lunar oriented. Mm. And then for me, tarot, when I'm in a jam, when subtly I am feeling like I'm not seeing this straight or I need some real guidance here, I go right to tarot. And one of the ways I've described this on other podcasts is that I feel your natal chart is your roadmap. The transits in the sky show you the traffic and tarot cards show you all the detours so you can get out of that jam if you don't like it. Hmm. That's an interesting way to look at it. I have one of my fun questions. You're going to have to pretend with me a little little bit today. (laughs) I love fun questions. Okay. Okay. This one is, this one is a bit of a Sophie's choice, but not because nothing could be worse than Sophie's choice. This is just silly and pretend, but if you were forced to choose, the universe was going to take one or the other away from you and completely wipe your memory on the subject. Which would make the cut, astrology or tarot? Oh, I, tarot, definitely. Really? Oh, I'm so glad I asked. Yeah, I mean, astrology, I use it every day, and I came to astrology before tarot, but tarot's so down and dirty. I mean, mm. it is so down and dirty. And one of the things is when you're doing like astrology for someone else, oftentimes their eyes glaze over when you start talking all those aspects and that. Tarot, I can pull out a tarot card. You can look at the image. You're going to understand it. Now we've got a conversation. Mm. Now we're going to get some answers together. So in my opinion, uh, I feel for me, this is just for me, even though I live a totally astrological life, tarot is the one thing I know that's going to get to some answers and it's going to get there very efficiently. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I'm feeling that. You also said- I'm an efficient person. (laughs) You also said a word about intuition in the book, like toward the end, you're like, hello, don't forget about that. So how and where does intuition fit into all of this? So that it's not just a mathematical equation. You are a part of the equation as well. Absolutely. Well, intuition plays a huge role. Like I said, I grew up with a psychic mother. My grandmother was psychic too. That stuff for us was like, you know, NBD, no big deal. It was just like everyday life. I always found it really weird when I came across other people who didn't think they were intuitive or never had a psychic experience. I'm like, what? That's what I grew up with. Okay. Uh, But intuition plays such an important role in our life. And it plays such an important role in both tarot and astrology because here's the deal. Let's pretend that you and I have the exact same astrological charts and we're doing a tarot reading and we have the exact same cards in the exact same positions. We're still different people with different lived experiences, different attitudes, opinions, and a good reader is able to intuit what this means for you versus me. And it's not going to be the same rote reading. 
because if you're getting a reading that's exactly like mine because we're born on the same day and we've got the same cards well there's something wrong in that equation intuition's going to lead you down different pathways certain cards are going to stand out more and maybe there's a certain aspect that might be really feeling for you but i might not be feeling it the same way so intuition is really you know it's kind of like the let's let's put it this way if we're going to go back to the analogy with a car with a map and a car and traffic and detours well intuition is the gas that powers it all okay yes yes and you got to trust your gut because here's the thing too let's say let's again let's use our same example uh let's pretend we're both gemini's we both have the moon and scorpio blah 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 but a really intuitive person's going to be again really feeling out how is this applying to this person's life versus this person's life mm -hmm. just because we have the same planets doesn't mean we have the same life i grew up with a girl who lived down the street from me we were born a day apart and our charts were almost identical because we were same year born just a day apart there was a very little difference in our charts our lives are very different extremely different they couldn't be more different we had a different upbringing even though we lived in the same little rural area and we're different people, different interests, things pan out differently. So a reader has to be able to pick up on that. And you know, even with life too, your intuition plays a huge role in your life. A lot of times we're making decisions that are coming from a subconscious place. They're coming from that feeling of, okay, I've been in this situation before I know what this feels like. Let me follow that. Or I'm getting a funny feeling why something isn't right let me go with that you know intuition plays a massive role in our life and so many people deny it i'm like but you're plugging in probably more often than you think you are yeah yeah i love something that came up it gives me the giggles because it feels a little bit rock and roll i guess is why i like it and i feel like maybe your intuition would come into play with this but you shared something i've never heard anyone talk about before you do a solar return chart every year for your birthday, or maybe you get one from someone else, but you talked about changing your location on your birthday to get a better outcome and your yep. chart. <laughs> I'm like what? I have definitely I know. never heard of this before. Uh, this, this is actually very standard traditional stuff, by the way. And I got introduced to that a number of years ago. I had some astrologers say, you need to go to Los Angeles on your birthday. I said, for what? You're going to have a better solar return. And I mean, I played around with solar returns, but I never thought about that before. There's actually a book on it by Bob Marks. And I got it laying around here somewhere. And it's something about, you know, create success and happiness by traveling on your birthday. It's a book all about it. I, I recommend that book for everybody. I think Bob Marks is a brilliant astrologer. But anyhow, I love that book. So this guy tells me, yeah, you got to go to LA. I'm like, LA? I don't even want to go to LA. But I thought, you know what? I'll try it. I'm going to go along with this because I'll try anything once. I like to say I'm like a little Petri dish. I'm going to test things out, experiment. <laughs> so anyhow, I went to LA on my birthday. And on my birthday, I'm in this wonderful Italian restaurant in, what is it, Silver Spring, I think it is? Silver Lake. Or Silver, Silver Lake, thank you. And eating pasta, and there's an elderly couple next to us. We're having great conversations with them. And I'm like, wow, this night does feel pretty neat. And I ended up having one of the best years ever. I mean, 
phenomenal year. And I'm like, okay, there's something to it. So I started playing around with that and experimenting with it. And I got that book by Bob Marks, which I highly recommend. It's a good book. And I'm like, okay, this dude's on to something, obviously. And I found it really worked. Now, with COVID, I got burned. So because of COVID, I've been stuck at home for the last couple of years. <laughs> you know, a lot of us have been. And last year, when I did my solar return, I'm like, uh, this ain't looking too good. I had such a bummer year, Joanna, such a bummer year. Uh, my partner got in an accident. I got in an accident. I had all this dental drama, all this health stuff happening and all these other weird, bizarre power struggles with people. I'm like, what? I don't do any power struggles. Where are these people coming from? What? <laughs> I'm like, that's solar return. Now this year I'm still stuck because of COVID and the solar returns looking pretty good. And so far the year's been going pretty good. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm out of the woods and the solar returns going to be better. But I got to say that that method does work. And here's what it is. You look at where you're going to be. And if you don't like the way the solar return birthday, it's a birthday chart. If you don't like the way it looks, then you look for a different location. You play around until you find one that is going to put the planets in a place that feels like it maybe reaches your goals or it makes you happy or whatever, or it's better than what you had. And there is some weird voodoo magic to that. So that's also one of my secret sauces for finding success. It's like, this is again, working with energy. So mm. why not test this stuff out? I mean, it worked for me and it, it certainly, <laughs> and of course using the terrible example that I used also, oh my God, that year I was not, I mean, my birthday was in June. I was not unhappy to see the last year go. It was so hard, mm. so hard. I follow somebody who's really into astrogeography. I am not, but I can hear her in my head being like, oh, it's a thing. You have to go where your Jupiter line is or whatever. Yeah, there's something to it. There's absolutely something to it. The book is How to Get More Love, Money, and Success by Traveling on Your Birthday. It's Bob Marks. Highly recommend this book. It's a very small little book, but it really does. I'm telling you, this is like some astrological voodoo. It what, works. A, what a fun recommendation. It's so specific. I think that's why I love it. There's Absolutely. something else that you said here that I'm very excited about because for most of my life, I did not relate to my ascendant. And the way people typically say the ascendant presents is that's like how other people see you. And I was just like, no, no, this has nothing to do with me. The only way I could relate to it is I also have the same as my North Node. My North Node is in Capricorn. My Ascendant is in Capricorn. And I understood the North Node is something you're growing into. And the first person I ever heard talk about Ascendants said the same thing. That's something you're growing into. And I've never heard it put that way since. And I, I've always wondered about that. But you gave it a different spin that I thought was interesting. You were talking about how the ascendant, your rising sign, shows you how you best do the work of your sun sign. I was like, oh, that's useful. That's something people can like look up and play around with, I think. I mean, your sun sign is a lot about your basic personality. It's also about your purpose. What are you here to do? You know, I'm a Gemini. I'm here to communicate. That is what I'm here to do. I'm here to think, to learn, to communicate. I'm here to get information out to people. 
And I've got a Libra rising. And Libra rising, number one, is about being creative. But Libra rising also is about relationships. It's about bringing people together, talking with other people. You know, that is how I can do my work of my sun sign. So not only does my rising sign have something to do with the way people see me, but it also helps me. It really helps me to, again, show up in the world and do what I'm here to do in a way that's going to make sense for me. The other thing that's really important is your midheaven mm-hmm. because you know, I look at a couple different things. I look at four different things when you're trying to figure out purpose. Your son tells a lot again about purpose, what you're here to do. Pay attention to your son. Your moon is what you need to be happy. Your moon tells so much about what you need to be happy. The moon is so, so important. And my moon is in Scorpio. I need depth. I need quiet time. I need time to think, to ponder, to research, which is so different than my Gemini. And the Libra rising again, well, how do we make this work? Well, it's about getting out there. It's about making connections, bringing people together, uh, working with people. And then we look at the midheaven and the midheaven is, okay, well, this is what you want to go towards if you want to be successful. And my moon in Scorpio loves that private stuff. It does. But that Leo midheaven is like, oh, but you need to put a mic in your hand. Damn it. (laughs) So, you know, if I had my druthers on an emotional level, by looking at my chart, I would just be like in my own little secret society, sharing information with some really chosen relationships that I deeply love and deeply trust. And that would be that that would make my my moon so happy. But that mid heaven says, "Uh uh, sorry, bucko. You're going to have to get out there whether you like it or not, because other people need to be in on this info, too. You don't get to hoard it to yourself. So the Midheaven is showing you who you are on the world the Midheaven stage. is kind of showing, it's how the public, this is like your reputation. But when I look at the Midheaven, it's like, this is where you can go. This is where you can go if you really want to go far. Mm, I have so a Midheaven Scorpio, I have Scorpio Midheaven. What in the heck does that mean? <laughs> Well, Scorpio Midheaven, it's deep, it's mystical, it's psychic, it's all about research, it is about uncovering the mysteries of life. So you're here to ask the questions, you're here to get to the bottom of things. And that's what you're here to do. And I mean, when you're doing that, when you're doing that, when you're getting to the bottom of things, that's when you're at your best. That's when I'm having the most fun, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. You're not going to want surface crap. That's not going to be anything good for you. If you were doing something that was super surface in your life, where you weren't asking any questions, where you were just showing, let's pretend you're in corporate America doing a super corporate job and you have to put on a face and maybe you could do that, blah, blah, blah. But on some level, if you're not allowed to probe and ask the questions and get to the bottom of things, if it's all surface, you are going to be miserable. Yeah. I would get kicked out in that situation. <laughs> yeah, and what's your and what's your moon in? Scorpio. Yeah, so see you need all that depth. You need you need that. I mean, you've got a Scorpio moon and a Scorpio midheaven. You're getting to the bottom of things, unraveling all the mysteries, asking why. That yeah. is what is going to be so satisfying. Again, you yeah, you're right. You get kicked out of hey, you get kicked out of the corporate job. It's not for you. Even though you got that Capricorn rising and the Capricorn rising, this gives you the ability again to do the work in the world 
And you could be really super organized, super CEO, but all that Scorpio stuff is like, yeah, 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 you could do that. But if it's not deep, if it's only surface, no, you'll, you'll be getting fired very soon. Yeah, I really identified as a flake for all my teens and most of my 20s, maybe a little bit going into my 30s. And so I was just like this Capricorn thing. I, I'm not seeing it. I had to grow into it for sure. And I saw you describe yourself as a flake for one second. Teresa Reed was a flake. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is so hard totally. to imagine. <laughs> Nobody believes that my husband says you're the sanest, most structured person I know. Yeah. I'm like, but I wasn't. I was very flaky, very free spirited, making terrible decisions, very impulsive. Oh my God. I went and lived it and did it. And then when I started really looking at my astrology and settling into some of the things that were gifts in there, I'm like, you know, you're better when you have structure. All that Virgo in your chart, you're better with structure. Mm. So enjoy that Gemini flaky side but let's get the structure in here let's create order let's create stability and magical things happen when i went with that magical things you can have a balance between still having my flaky moments my husband always calls me a lady of whims because i'll be <laughs> interested in something for a little bit and then all of a sudden i'm like i'm done with that i don't care about that anymore i'm more interested in this thing and that television show and this album you know so i can indulge my gemini stuff that way but structure really, really works for me. Mm. What's your sun sign, Joanna? Libra. Ah, Libra. Okay, so we're both air signs. And yeah. you know, air signs like to move with the wind. I mean, so that's where that flaky thing comes in. Yeah, I think people see me as a Libra. I think that's more how people see me than Capricorn for sure. Well, the Capricorn though, you've got beautiful bone structure and beautiful teeth, which is very Capricorn rising. Oh, I have really problem teeth though, Teresa. <laughs> but they look but they look beautiful <laughs> and your bone structure is beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's and very that's nice. very Capricorn rising. Those mm. bones, those bones, those bones, those cheekbones, that jawbone. Oh my god, that's like so Capricorn rising. Oh, I love that. Let, let's let's hang out with your Gemini because I, I want to get to these ridiculous, silly questions because they're fun. <laughs> That's really I'm, all, the only I'm down for it. Okay, so it's a little bit of a speed round escalating to more complexity, if I can pull this Ooh. up. Okay, so we'll start with something very easy spring or fall? Fall. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Elvira or Vincent Price? A Vincent Price. <laughs> I thought that one was a fellow hard. Gemini. He's okay. a fellow Gemini. Of course, I'm going to go and, and be down with Vincent Price. Plus, he loved cats. Plus, he was a pretty good person in the world. So I, I love them both. But yes, okay. <laughs> They're both awesome. But I got to go with Vincent. Okay, the next two are very difficult. David Bowie or Freddie Mercury? Oh, David Bowie, hands down. Oh, okay. That says something. First of all, David Bowie, I'm a bone structure fanatic, oh, just so you know. Okay. I love bone structures. I love bones because I don't have good bone structure. So, of course, you always love the stuff that you don't have. And Bowie, oh, my God, he was so beautiful and unique and weird and smart. And he got to marry Iman. Come on now. this is Talk like... about bone structure. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You know, so I Bowie hands on. Don't get me wrong. I love Freddie. But Bowie, oh my God, Bowie. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Cher or Dolly Parton? Oh, that's a hard one. 
Yeah, I thought they all were. I was like, these are not. That's a hard one. (laughs) Because, you know, Cher's so dark and sassy, but Dolly does so much good in the world. Yeah. Ah, okay, I'm going to say Dolly just because Dolly is out there doing, I don't know what Cher's all doing in the world other than looking fabulous, but Dolly, all the things she donates to, the things she does for children in literacy, I got to go with Dolly. Dolly is going to be my girl. Yeah, yeah. You you look like a Cher, but at heart you're a Dolly. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Cher and I would probably hang out and do drinks together. And then Dolly, I would be like, Dolly, just um let me follow you around and see how you do all this. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pause my little rapid fire questions here to ask you a question I was gonna ask later, and that is your beauty secret. This is a Cher beauty secret that also Teresa shares. What is your beauty secret for maintaining that long, 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 long hair year after year? Well, my hair has gotten a lot longer and stronger when I stopped dyeing it. Oh. I stopped dyeing it. I got rid of the chemicals and I have got a pretty good thick head of gray hair and I don't do very much with it at all. I leave it alone. I don't put chemicals on it. I don't curl it. It's straight as a pin. Uh, my sister's got the beautiful wavy hair mine's straight and so i leave it alone i rarely trim it i don't do anything i use a little aveda shampoo and pantene conditioner i don't do hardly anything with it and i think that's the key i think so many of us we've been conditioned to color and dye and cut and that stuff is all fun it's all really super fun but at the end of the day what am i doing to my hair and I used to dye it and cut it and all that. And then I just stopped. I just stopped. I let it do what it needs to do. So with my hair, I don't do anything. Now, let me tell you something with my skincare. Woman, I am insane. I am a fanatic. <laughs> I love it. Too. I spent, oh my God, I spend a fortune on it. I am meticulous with it. I've got a very secret way of how I do everything. And I got to tell you, for almost 60 years old, I've got pretty damn good skin. You do. But it, it's a lot of maintenance, a lot of maintenance. Whereas the hair, I don't do a damn thing. Oh, well, now you have to tell us one of your secrets, one of your secret products or tricks for your beautiful skin. Well, the products I'll tell, it's Polish Choice. All okay. of the products are top notch. You can order them online. They're really well made. They are awesome and they're cruelty free which is important to me and okay i'll just tell you the secret i'm always doing something different every day to my skin to keep it guessing this is my theory instead Mm. of doing the same routine every day it's like one day i might put peptides on the next day i might do a mask i don't do the the you know the korean skincare thing where they do 14 steps i don't do i mix it up and so the skin is always guessing and it's always having to behave And the only other thing I'll say about skincare, if you're not using sunscreen, oh my God, what are you thinking? I've been using sunscreen since I've been 15. I never go in the sun. That's the other thing. Never, ever go in the sun. Stay out of the damn sun. Be a vampire. (laughs) Yes, I do live like a vampire. I wear all black. My skin is like, you know, ghostly pale. But that's also because if I go in the sun, I burn and it doesn't turn tan. It turns pink and stays pink. It's ugly. Mm. looks terrible so i've learned you know what the sun doesn't like you you're going to stay out of the sun you're (laughs) going to leave it alone you're going to put on that sunscreen and you're going to do all this really insane skincare practices because that's what you're going to do okay i'm hop i'm hopping around in my questions because you're guiding me accidentally so one of my questions was if a vampire (laughs) if a vampire was about to take your life 
like today and gave you a choice in whether you would die now or live forever without having to take another life. You could choose the vampire life and you don't have to take anyone else's life. Which would you choose and why? An early departure or immortality? First of all, it be immortality. Because I'm one of those people that I never say, oh my God, I want this to be my last life. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep coming back mm. because I'm nosy as hell. But the big, <laughs> the big thing is how cute is the vampire? Okay. Very. This vampire better be <laughs> sexy as hell. It better be like that blonde guy from True Blood. And then it's like, okay, all right. And it will, I'll be immortal. I would, I would, what would you choose? Would you be immortal or would you be out of here? Oh, I'm only human. I would choose immortality. I feel like there's a very horrible lesson in that somewhere. But yeah, I would definitely choose immortality. I'm not ready to go. There's so many things that are left to discover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so many things that I mean, one of the things that I, I think about this is going to be one of the dumbest things that you probably ever heard. I get really sad sometimes when I think in this lifetime, there's so many songs I have not heard yet and so many that are still going to be made that I'm never going to hear. Aww. And that bothers me. That <laughs> bothers me a lot. And I think about it a lot because I love music so much. It's like, there's so many songs out there. There's songs that have been out there for hundreds and thousands of years. I've never heard them. I don't have enough time to hear all the songs and to hear all the songs that might come. So see, I've got to be immortal. Oh, yes. Yeah, I feel that way about books, but I love all the art forms. And this brings me to another question on the list, which is music, vinyl or streaming? I did love vinyl back in the day, but streaming is better for me because it is less clutter and I don't have to commit to anything. <laughs> this is where my flakiness comes in. It's like and my husband, my husband thinks it's kind of horrible, but I'm like, you don't have to commit to anything. It's like I can like have one song by maybe I'm listening to Bowie one day. I get a little Kendrick Lamar. I can listen to the new album. I don't have to commit to it unless I really love it. I can test everything out. I can really play around as much as I like. I can have my own radio station going the way I feel like it. I can listen to one song again and again and again 50,000 times if I feel like it. I really feel like a sense of control. And also, I've got so many books on here. I really don't need albums. I just don't. I have both and it is a problem. It's a dusting problem. <laughs> yeah. And also you start to feel overwhelmed, especially because I have so many books I still have left to read. And I keep saying, I'm not going to buy any more books until I finish reading all the books I have. That's a lie. That is it, a damn It's lie. a blatant lie and every book nerd right now knows it. Because <laughs> we all, we all know it. It's our lie. <laughs> It's our secret shame, our secret shame. Well, maybe it's not shame, but you know, you always think there's going to be that one book that has the answer, that has the info, that has whatever it is that you're seeking. So it's very hard to not buy books. Yeah, I read in circles. We're spoiled for choice these days and I read by mood. So I'll have like five going at the same time and one of them will match the mood. So I, I read a few chapters yep. here and then a chapter there and then a chapter there and I just ping pong around. I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The exact same thing. <laughs> okay, another question. Reading, ebook, audiobook, or paper? I definitely prefer paper. 
without a doubt, there's something about holding it in my hands mm -hmm. that I really, really love. And I like being able to bookmark it. However, I do have eBooks because sometimes I want a book on the go or I don't want to carry my stack with me. And there's some books where I'm like, also for the eBooks, there's sometimes I'll buy books where I don't want to pay like 20 bucks. I'll just get the eBook for nine bucks because I'm not sure if I really going to love this book or not. So that's me also being more of a cheapskate. I also do like audiobooks, but I use them when I cook. And so when I cook, I have an audiobook on. And mm -hmm. I've gone through quite a few great audiobooks, and I love it. I, it's always usually something I want to learn. Like I listened to Digital Minimalism and really love, love, love listening to that while I was working. And I love to cook, by the way. Cooking is. Oh, um, yes. We that is the thing. about you because this is another thing you share on social media that is really fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. And so cooking is my way of relaxing. And audiobooks make it really good. Right now I'm listening to a book called White Tears, Brown Scars, How White Feminism Betrays Women of Colors by Ruby Hamad, I think is her name. It's so good. So mm. thought provoking. So, you know, I like to listen to books like that. Things where I'm going to learn something. One of the books that I also listened to that I really enjoyed was Word Slut. And I think that's Amanda Montel who wrote Cultish, which was one of my favorite books recently. And it's all about, you know, the feminist history of language and i'm a word nerd like you and it was just fascinating so those are the types of books i listen to when i do audio books mm -hmm. they're always something like that yeah yes i feel like it depends on the reader i'm pretty picky and i will listen to someone just because i like their energy like mel robbins is made for audiobooks it's she's just made that way her brain is an audiobook <laughs> have you ever done that have you made an audiobook oh god no i don't have the voice for that I don't know the voice and I don't think I have the patience to sit down and do all that talking. We would happily me. listen to you. I think everybody would happily <laughs> listen to you, but I, I hear you on the patience, the patience thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's audio book versions of my books, but the publisher has hired people to do the book for me, which mm. I prefer. Yeah. Do you enjoy listening to it or do you avoid it? Cause it's your work. It's my work. So I don't want to like listen to it. Yeah. Okay, I have one final silly question, and it's my most evil. Ooh. All right. This is not based on my taste. This is based on your taste and what you have so publicly and offensively expressed. <laughs> <laughs> if you were forced, maybe some hippie Libra forced you to wear one of the following outfits in all seriousness without telling the world that you had been forced, which would it be? A, a patchwork dress of crochet granny squares, or B, a prairie dress. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, this is an evil question. It would have to be the prairie dress. I, I mean, think, that I love it. <laughs> a, a crochet dress. I would be so I'd be itching and I'd be like, <laughs> you know, I just couldn't. So the prairie dress is like, well, I can probably punk rock this up somehow. I would just. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it just, Oh, uh, I, this, I would, this do it, still I would do me. <laughs> I would wear either for the record and very happily. I love them both. And I've seen you talk shit about it. And I'm like, I'm going to bring this up on the podcast. I know. I also talk crap about nap dresses. I'm like, what the hell's a nap dress? <laughs> what is a nap dress? So what am I going to take a nap in this thing? I, I can't get it. But you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a dress person by nature. I am very pants, pants, mm. pants, pants, pants. So it's rare that you'll ever see the Tara lady in a dress, but 
No, I'm sorry about prairie dresses. My sister had a prairie dress and looked beautiful in it when she was younger. It's just, it's not me. <laughs> it's okay. I appreciate that you let me have a little bit of fun. I'm going to link to all the things, including your new book and including to all the interviews that we've ever done because I'm very proud of them and I think they're interesting. And I definitely recommend everybody go pick up a copy of Twist Your Fate, Manifest Success with Astrology and Tarot. Can you leave us with one tip, one tip, one tip? Well, first also your URL and one tip for where to find your orientation in astrology, where to begin to get a real sense of like who you are. And I know you already spoke of purpose, so maybe it would be something to do with purpose. Well, in my opinion, the first place to start is always your sun sign because it does show a lot about your purpose, your core personality, your interests, your likes. That's a really good place to start. And then go right directly to your moon. And the moon is the most, I mean, the moon for me is so, so, so important. When you understand your moon, you know so much about your emotional nature. And when you have someone in your life and you understand their moon, now you know what makes them happy. Now we can get along. And so start with the sun just to get your feet wet, but really go to the moon go to that moon. I have an unscientific observation that you probably would know more about because you are a professional astrologer. I feel like Scorpio moon people have weird Scorpio moon pride and that we put more emphasis on the moon. Does that feel true? I agree. Oh my <laughs> God, I agree. Listen, Scorpio moon, I am a Scorpio moon person. I'm always, first of all, I'm always a defender of all Scorpios because mm -hmm. Scorpio, every every astrology book is like, Scorpio's bad. They're this, I'm like, what? Scorpios are awesome. And Scorpio moon is like the worst moon. I'm like, now tell me why this moon is bad. We're deep, we're intense. When we love, nobody loves you harder. We are loyal to the core until you piss us off. Mm -hmm. I mean, Scorpio moon, what is not to love about that? It's a hot moon and it is the most psychic of all the moons. I think everybody is probably jealous they don't have a Scorpio moon. So yeah, I, <laughs> I not only am all into the moon because of the Scorpio moon, but I, I have found the Scorpio moon. I'm like, God, I, every Scorpio moon person I know is pretty awesome. So I don't know. I don't buy that. Me I don't neither. Buy it. Me neither. Okay, we have to leave your URL for people on the go who, oh, are not, yes. who are not looking at my show notes. The best way to find me is always at my website, thetarolady.com. Super easy. Nobody else could have that website. I'm so glad you got that URL, thetarolady.com. Thank you so much for doing this. This was really fun. Oh my God. Thank you. It's always a joy to connect. I love your questions. I will not be wearing a prairie dress anytime <laughs> soon, not even at gunpoint. So, you know, don't threaten, but <laughs> that's a great question. Super great. It would be a good Halloween costume. <laughs> oh my God. If I showed up in a prairie dress, people would think, okay, is this a Halloween costume or did you join a cult? Because that is so unlike me. Maybe I should do it just to mess with people. Yeah, I would be so proud. <laughs> I don't care. If it makes me come off like a silly fangirl, I love that I've gotten to have multiple conversations with Teresa Reed and that I've gotten to laugh with her. The older I get, 
the more I realize the finite nature of this reality, this world, this body that I'm in is not going to last forever. And this podcast has given me so many opportunities to connect with truly exceptional, wonderful, creative people. And Teresa is for sure one that comes to mind when I contemplate that. So of course, there will be links to all things Teresa Reed. If you want to have a binge session of interviews with Teresa, I will include the links to our past interviews. And there's also going to be a link to the new Wiser Tarot. Wiser Books is who published her latest book, Twist Your Fate, and they also sent me a copy of the Wiser Tarot with no expectation. They didn't ask me to promote it. They didn't ask me to do anything. It just showed up in the mail, and I was so delighted because, I'll tell you why, I have long read with Ryder Waite Smith inspired decks. I have a huge collection of, well, huge. <laughs> in today's tarot community, would it be considered huge? I have a decent sized collection of Ryder Waite Smith inspired decks. They follow that system, but they're a little bit different. My favorite is the Tarot Illuminati. It's the one I've been reading with the most, but I've never owned the original. And this year I was gifted too. First, my friend Joanne gifted me a teeny tiny pocket-sized version, and then Wiser sent me this, the Wiser Tarot, which is actually the Rider-Waite-Smith deck in its entirety, but with a couple of modifications. I'll actually read to you from the little one sheet that came with the deck because they can say it better in their own words than I can, and I want to read this because I want to demonstrate why it's important that they made these modifications to this deck. So this is what they said. Created well over 100 years ago by Arthur Edward Waite with illustrations by Pamela Coleman Smith, the Rider Waite Smith continues to be the most popular and influential tarot deck ever created. But for today's burgeoning audience of tarot enthusiasts, the original card imagery poses a challenge. It lacks a diversity of representation which stands in the way of tarot's true function, to help seekers reach deeper into themselves and find meaning, awareness, and wholeness. And yet, in Smith's art, in its simplest form, as line art, one can see flashes of non-binary individuals or gender ambiguity. But the images are exclusively Caucasian. For the wiser tarot, the original line art has been preserved while adding a fresh, rich watercolor aesthetic and introducing a variety of skin tones more in line with the expectations of today's tarot card readers. It's such a well-made deck and the reason that it tickles me that this year I received two Rider-Waite-Smith decks is because on Patreon I have been creating my own very weird tarot deck one card one month at a time because I wanted to because I wanted to create my own deck in relationship to another project that I have been working on for more than a decade I call it weird because I'm telling a different story and some of the imagery might be challenging if you're looking at it through the lens of the writer Waite Smith, but also because I know this, 
the podcasts. I've been creating a podcast for each card, one card, one month at a time, starting with The Fool. The podcasts are oriented toward the Rider-Waite-Smith imagery. So every episode, I will pull up a Rider-Waite-Smith card, the card that we're talking about that month, and I'll just kind of riff on the symbolism I see, and then we just kind of take it from there. But I thought it was funny. I don't even have a legit Rider-Waite-Smith deck. I only have these RWS-inspired decks, and the universe was like, no, we can't have that. We'll send you two. <laughs> we'll send you two. And it just felt very, like, cosmically meant to be. So I thought that was really cool. The Wiser Tarot is so beautifully and thoughtfully made. The cardstock is high quality and I'm super stoked that it showed up in my life so unexpectedly. It felt like it was meant to be. Also, I'm still waiting for one of you to leave me a voicemail. Who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? I'm not giving up. No, I am not. <laughs> I want to talk to you. I want to hear your thoughts. Do you have any questions on shadow work, self-love, moving through fear? Those are topics that I have spent decades contemplating, working through myself. I for sure have opinions and I'm more than happy to share them with you. If you're struggling with something, click on the link in the show notes at joannadevoe.com. I've included that link on the show notes ever since I set it up at speakpipe.com slash the Joe DeVoe show. That is Joe as in J-O, short for Joanna, not J-O-E, slash the Joe DeVoe show. You can leave me a message. I think this is so fun. I've gotten a couple so far, like right in the beginning when I set it up, and I was ecstatic both times when I got the email. Someone has left you a message. I was like, ah, yahoo! Someone left me a message. If you would like to be the third person to leave me a message, click on the link and I'll be just as stoked to hear from you. I hope that you have an amazing time this holiday season. We are now headed into the holiday season. If you count Thanksgiving as the beginning of the holiday season, I think of the beginning of the holiday season as the fall equinox personally because that happens right before my birthday, my kid's birthday, and then we roll right into Halloween. Like, that's when I'm busting out the decorations. That's when my house looks like a party. So to me, we are in the middle of the holiday season. I hope it's going well for you. Until we meet again, always remember, life is change. Change is magic. Magic is life. And the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace.